1: Today on the show, I would like to welcome Jill Valdez, who is the founder and COO of Link, where she supports executive directors with strategies to build organizational health, creating more certainty for the future without service disruption. Jill has been helping people for over 20 years. This is her second time on the show, and I'm excited to catch up with her and find out what you've been doing (laughs) these days. So welcome back, Jill. Thanks, Summer. It's so great to be back. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. So before we take a deep dive into what you've been up to since the last time you were here on this show, (laughs) tell me one word which would describe your life up to this point. Accidentally on purpose. So why this (laughs) phrase? Tell us more.
2: So much of what I've done and where I'm at and the think way things have come about have kind of been on accident I haven't necessarily gone out looking for it and it's been presented and a door's opened up but everything that I've been doing aligns with the purpose of who I am and what I believe I was put on the earth to do
1: tell us what you've been doing since December of 2019 when you were first (laughs) on this show I know there have been a lot of changes for you, such as a relocation and more. There's a lot going on, a lot of changes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about these transitions and delve into what's been going on during those years.
2: Yeah. So when we talked in December of 2019, I knew that we were getting ready to move. I wasn't really sure where. We were in Arizona at the time. And it looked like we were going to be moving to the Pacific Northwest. And I was super excited because my business had up to that point had always been part time. I'd had full-time jobs to support. And then I was doing this on the side and and building it. And I was super excited because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm moving out of Podunk town, Arizona. And I'm moving to Portland, Oregon, where I'm going to literally be surrounded by all of my ideal clients. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be the year I get to do this full time. Well, we moved here five days before COVID shut everything down. Oh (laughs) wow! So needless to say, that did not happen. Um, I was really fortunate to be able to transfer my full time job to a sister agency up here. And so uh, at the time I was working with hospice. Hospice has been a very good thing for me. I love the work that I got to do there with working with families and working with patients and helping them have a peaceful passing and getting them the benefits that they, that they were entitled to through hospice. A lot of education and a lot of just walking through life with people, which I love to do. Well, fast forward in 2021, I left the agency that I was with and again said, okay, I'm Things are starting to open up. I want to give this a real good go. And at the end of 2021, at the beginning of 2022, my husband made the decision to donate a kidney to his brother. So we walked through that process. That was pretty much the first quarter of 2022. And while doing that, I was provided another opportunity to work for another hospice agency. Again, accidentally on purpose, it just kind of fell into my lap. I wasn't looking. I didn't even try for the job. And through the the series of recognizing that this was going to be a good next step, took that job. Knowing how much time it was going to take, I I kind of shuttered the side business. And then in August of this year, I got laid off. (laughs) They went through a massive restructuring like so many companies are doing right now. And so there was a huge reduction in force, like 10 to 12% of the staff, and they eliminated my role across the nation. And um, I was like, okay, well, I know what I'm getting back to and saw this as the next step, like the direction that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And in doing so also changed the focus of who I was working with. When you and I first talked, I was working with small business service providers, very much a sweet spot for me, given my background and how much I know that they work hard and they want to be doing great things. But coming back to it, I have come to realize that what I mostly want to be doing at this point is focusing on supporting those executive directors of senior care facilities.
1: Oh, okay. So you're getting very granular about your demographic that you're serving. I get it. I understand that. So tell us more. I mean, you've been in that arena for years now. You know how many of those organizations function, and yet you're still focusing on leadership, but in a a
2: slightly different arena. Tell us more. Yeah. Executive directors you know, they get into that position because they have a heart for resident care. They want to see their residents be well-supported, well-cared for. They want to let families know that they can be a trusted facility to care for their loved ones. And so they have these huge, huge hearts. But all day long, 97% of them spend their days putting out fires. And they don't get the time to strategically think about what to do to grow the organization, to grow their facility. And they're getting a lot of pressure from corporate to grow, you know, make sure you grow, make sure there's no empty beds, reduce operational costs. And so there's just this constant fury of activity and what they're not recognizing sometimes. And what I do to support them is that a healthy organization is a growing organization. I'm wanting to come alongside and partner with them understanding the challenges that they're facing and showing them that what I call the four pillars of organizational health, when they implement those, that that's going to reduce so much of the stress that they're dealing with. It's going to reduce the issues that are causing them the stress that then gives them the opportunity to get back to doing what they love to do and what they took the job to do. And that's to lead a facility to provide amazing care.
1: So I love what you're talking about here because i worked in healthcare over the years. Coming from both the local and nonprofit arena, as well as the for-profit arena, there's a distinct difference to how both function. So I worked for the largest county-based mental health facility in the state of California at one point for three years. It wasn't a huge issue to worry about the budget. It was, we need to serve people. So our focus was on serving people and then making sure things were done accordingly. Things were audited, like all that good stuff, right? Because we had to be accountable to the state. Then go to for-profit. Now that was a different animal altogether. Yeah. And they were looking for how many beds are you going to fill every day? What's our capacity? What's the percentage of beds we need filled? as somebody who ran an intake department and was a director of three different departments one being intake it was my job to keep that at 100% full yeah yeah so although i got into the job for the reasons of i care about people i want to help support people through their difficulties you know help them access resources manage these teams effectively so that we can care and i kept my departments at all the time. And they wanted more. They wanted more. So you were constantly running, 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 running to get those beds full. Otherwise, corporate would be like, why aren't those beds full? And I give that example because I want to know, as a leader in the arena, in that field of healthcare, how do you create that balance as somebody in those departments who are leading those departments, who are directing those departments, who are trying to support a team and trying to support their clients as well.
2: Yeah. Again, I go back to so much of corporate is focused on what uh, Patrick Lencioni calls a smart behavior, the marketing, reducing operational costs, trying to work with a skeleton crew. And those are important. But if you shift as a leader, if you shift your focus on organizational health, because here's the challenge. You're supposed to have 100% capacity, but you have three caregivers who just gave notice yesterday and you're short of med tech. So rather than being the ED for the day, you're out passing meds. I don't want to make corporate to be out to be big and bad, but they are further removed and some of them haven't even been in healthcare. And so they don't recognize the challenges that the staffing um, shortages and some of those issues are actually creating. So here you're trying to, to get them taken care of. So if you can focus as a leader, if you can focus on building up communication, making sure that you have a cohesive team, that there is clarity on who you are as a unique facility and what you're supposed to be doing. And then you have things in place to measure consistency, to make sure that you're staying consistent. When you have those four things, you don't have the staff turnover. You have people calling you up and saying, Hey, I hear that you really care about your caregivers. Um, I'd like to come and work for you. You have the better workplace culture. You have people who come to work that recognize that what they do is important. I was talking with um, a potential client, and I was asking her, you know, how's staffing going? And she goes, Oh my gosh, it's great! I have five caregivers during the day for twenty-five residents. That's unheard of. Like those ratios are pretty dang amazing. Yeah. I said, so what wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning? And she goes, staffing. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you literally just said. And she said, yeah, because they all call off. You know, they think there's five of them. So they call off and I said, what has happened is they don't understand. There's not been that connection between what they do and the importance of what they do and how that ties into what you're doing as a facility. They don't understand their role. They don't understand their part in it. You know, what they don't understand is that Sally Sue in room 210, when you're not there, gets really depressed and has a very bad day. If we can take and show the, the importance of the work that they're doing and then tie it to the work that the organization is doing as a whole, then they like, I have a part in the success and, and it's because of who I am and it's because of what I do. It's not because I'm just a cog in the wheel
1: that interconnectedness and really being transparent about their mission and understanding what that is. And when somebody comes to interview with your organization, being transparent and having people there that actually care and and say, this is our mission. These are the, the pillars from which we function. Do you have questions? Because we want to tell you more. And I think that a lot of times organizations aren't clear about that. My husband was Marine for 20 plus years and you can go on base and the mission is there. The mission's on the buildings. The mission is, you know, and so everybody is really clear. So there's that interconnectedness. There's right. an understanding, right? And so when you can't identify what the mission is, and that's part of the strategy is knowing your pillars, knowing your mission, knowing your your, your vision, right. and then personally knowing why you're in this. And is this going to be the organization that I want to work for because they're really walking the talk? Right. And so when you see that happening, and I I saw that happening with my husband's job in the military, he took me to the FBI Academy and the mission was right on the wall. I'm like, okay, I love this. I know exactly (laughs) what they stand for. It is so clear. When you have that, it makes such a difference. So tell me, when you help companies build the organizational health, what aspects of an organization's health is vital for an A-plus health report?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that question. That's fantastic. My system is set up under the four pillars of organizational health, communication, cohesion, clarity, and consistency. When you have those four pieces in place, then you are a healthy organization and you get an A+.
1: I love that. So how do you, with those four pillars, how do you take it from the theoretical to the practical application?
2: Communication starts with a teaching that I do. I have a workshop called Cracking the Communication Code, and it's really based on the understanding that we communicate based on our personality. So I do some training on personality and then how that impacts communication. It's fun because we do like a fill in the blank kind of thing, like under stress, I'm, I am stressed because I'm fearing this. And when I fear this, I act this way. And if that intensifies, then I'm going to do this. And so not only is it exciting to watch them get to know themselves, but then getting to know the people around them and understanding all of the sudden, like, Oh, that's why you do what you do. So that's the practicality is teaching them about themselves, how they act and how they're coming across to people. I was doing this workshop for a company and it was really interesting because I think the manager had a better idea of who, like she kind of had a good understanding of who she was, but what she didn't understand was the impact that it had on the rest of her staff. And so she was very, very task focused, super high driven personality. And the rest of her staff were mostly people focus. And I'm in there and I'm doing the presentation and getting towards the end. And one of her coworkers said all this time, I thought she didn't like me. And she was my manager. I come into work every day, hoping that today's the day that I'm going to win her over. That's my whole focus in work is to win over my manager. And I go home every day and I feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I understand that She's not short in her communication with me and direct in her communication with me because she doesn't like me. That's who she is. That's how she communicates. Right. And it was so eye-opening for the manager to see the impact of here. She thought, Oh my gosh, I'm doing a service. They have such full desks. They have so much work that they're doing. And so I'm just going to keep it super short and didn't understand the impact that it was making on the people that she was managing. Oh, Um,
1: absolutely. I love that. That is so valuable, that work that you're doing in regards to communication, and especially with personality. People, I think, sometimes don't realize how their personality supports them, but also can hurt them in certain ways as well, because people don't understand (laughs) you, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. and, And that And that really plays a huge part in how we interact, how we engage, how we communicate, how we behave, how we express ourselves, emotions, like all of that is entailed in what we do as leaders. And so you're out there helping these people get that A plus health report. You're doing so much. You you teach about your four pillars. So what are some of the health struggles? That companies are facing today?
2: It all kind of goes back to people issues, mm-hmm. high employee turnover. Some of that comes from not making the right hires. Some of that comes from the promotion process. I know that it happens in industries all across the board, but especially in assisted living, it's, oh, you're a great caregiver. We're going to promote you to being the activities director. And we're going to train you on doing the job of the activities director, but we're not going to train you on any of the leadership aspects that are associated with the job. And the rewards of promotion are, and advancement are built into how long you're willing to stay with the company as opposed to actually having the skills to be able to do the job. They equate length with your commitment and care for the company, which isn't always the case. So what I see as far as the health issues, it's high employee turnover. It's a lack of connection between managers and the team that they're leading. They are connected enough to be able to do the job of the day, but not connected enough to really know who their people are. And It's not like it was 50 years ago where you came into work and you were just a cog in the wheel and you were there to do a task. And if somebody knew you, great. And if not, then that's fine too. People want to know that they matter. They want to know that if they're not there on a certain day, it's going to affect somebody else, that they're important enough to their coworkers that when they're not there, it makes an impact as a person, not just because of the workload. I think helping managers be more connected to the teams that they're leading, again, as people is going to make a big impact. And all of those things contribute to a positive workplace culture. Everybody's talking about employee engagement. Everybody's talking about workplace culture. (laughs) I see it so frequently. It's like, oh, well, we're going to have a once a month pizza party, and that's going to help keep the employees engaged. That's not what it is. What's going to give a good score is, again, managers who really know their people. I remember you were saying that your dog is sick. Maybe that's why you're a little struggling today. Um, or, or being able to ask about how things are going. When you get those things in place, then that's that's going to give a better score.
1: Thank you so much for explaining that. And I think that if we're functioning on what was a community culture before That's antiquated. That is no longer what we're looking at today. The factors have changed. We have transitioned into something that's completely different and people want to feel valued. That's why we saw the great resignation during COVID and people were saying, no, I'm no longer Mm -hmm. working for a company that doesn't value me or where I don't feel valued. And so how can we do a better job of that as leaders? Because once we do a better job of that, we're going to see retention increase. We're going to see a happier workplace community and culture. We're going to see so much change in a positive way when we change along with it. And we're willing and open to that change. So thank you so much. We've talked about and covered so much today. I absolutely love the direction you're going in. If you could leave a business or organization with a tip to improve their organizational health, what would it be? And I know you've given a lot, but if it's one thing, what would that tip be?
2: Give your people space and the ability to actually be people rather than mechanisms of doing the job.
1: Thank you so much, Jill, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today.
2: It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me back.
1: Absolutely. If you would like to know more about Jill Valdez, you can follow her on LinkedIn and at www.linkconsulting.info.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Core Women podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women 1. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.